0: This week, Doctor Who and the Silurians. Written by Malcolm Hulk. Directed by Timothy Combe. Leave it to the communist to end the story with genocide. <laughs> You're listening to Oi, Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. We're a polyamorous, married couple who discuss Doctor Who from a generally progressive, feminist, and social justice-oriented perspective. While we try to be sensitive, we generally don't consider this to be a safe space. Spoilers, naughty language, a general disregard for most things Stephen Moffat, and other adult content are likely found within.
1: awful Uh, I think at one point I said so are they like Nazi Godzillas
0: the Silurians yeah yeah I think you called them Nazi lizard people or something somewhere so um,
1: Nazi dinosaurs
0: Nazi dinosaurs yes that's what you called them so maybe the uh, target novelization should have been Doctor Who and the Nazi dinosaurs it was actually called Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters And one of the working titles of this was Doctor Who and the Monsters, so...
1: I'm... whatever. I don't care about the titles that much. (laughs) (laughs) They all run together in my head anyway. I don't remember any of them. (laughs) So
0: welcome. This is episode 92 of Mm -hmm. Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. And this is the first time Shannon and I are talking about Doctor Who, just the two of us, since uh, our companion cavalcade, which was like two months ago.
1: Has it really been that much?
0: Yeah, I mean, we just had guests for all the other Doctor Who episodes we've, we've covered, so, you know.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, it's yep. been a little while. Um, Yeah, it was kind of funny thinking about that, I guess. Because um, usually we have a little bit more rigid of a schedule, but we kind of got to take our time with this one.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of got to... The, the beauty of it just being the two of us, I mean, really the whole reason we started the podcast to begin with was... If it's just the two of us, we could just kind of record whenever and watch whenever and not have to worry so much. But uh, lately we've been on a little bit more of a rigorous schedule because we have to like bring a third person in and Skype and all that kind of shit. So this was a, kind of an easy watch and record schedule.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, which was nice because current events fucking suck.
0: Yeah, and what we're really saying is we actually hate having guests and we're never <laughs> ever going to do it again. That's, that's kind of <laughs> the point we're making.
1: No. Um, Jack but- is going to
0: cry right now. Jack and James and, you know.
1: I don't... It's been a while since Jack's been on.
0: <laughs> I love how you say that. He was on A Searching for Frashal, like, three weeks ago.
1: I feel like I haven't talked to him in forever, though. Yeah, well, you know, that's on you. I just know that the dog is really depressed that we're recording, so let's oh, yeah. talk about Silurians, baby.
0: Let's do that.
1: So, um Also, by the way, I think I will always remember this mm-hmm. right now. As Lisha, like more Lisha.
0: Sure. Well, um, let's start talking about Doctor and the Silurians. This is uh, the second story of season seven, mm-hmm. uh, the one right after Spearhead from Space, which you know as the Sam Sealy episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, Spaceballs.
0: Uh, Thunderballs, Thunderballs in the dirty old box. Uh, We covered that way, way back when. Maybe I'll include a link in the show notes, or you can just Google it. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're here. We're talking about this story, Uh, Malcolm Hulk writing on his own for the first time. Our uh, communist Doctor Who writer, uh, probably the most overtly political of all the Doctor Who writers, classic or new series, and uh, you know, kind of the beginning of the third Doctor era in a lot of ways. So. What did you think of Doctor Who and the Solarians?
1: Um, well, okay, I'm just going to get it out of the way. One, I was like, oh, you told me we were going to get more Liz Shaw, but you didn't think I was going to like it very much. And you were kind of right. Um. But, like, we both kind of agreed on it. Uh, The pacing is just really weird. There are moments throughout this story that I really liked, mm-hmm. and there were moments where I was like, this is fucking scary. But then there were moments where I was like, this noise is so fucking annoying. When can we be done watching this?
0: You've basically described the experience of watching the third Doctor era in a nutshell. That's <laughs> kind of... that's kind of, Oh, wait, Oh wait. The whole wait. third Doctor era is like this. <laughs> and
1: action by Havoc.
0: And action by Havoc, yes. Um, um,
1: but yeah, at first I thought the Silurians were actually really well done and kind of scary seeing from their point of view and having the heavy breathing um it felt kind of classic horror movie
0: yep um very much um also i should let the audience know um i don't own the dvd of this i had a uh version of this that was ripped off of a apparently a cable channel from australia i found it online and uh (laughs) All I know is that over the closing credits, an announcer with an Australian accent would come on and tell me what was coming on next at 3.30 or whatever. And so, you know. Um, Anyway, so we actually watched this in black and white. Um, So uh, I have seen the color version of this. Uh, I actually prefer the black and white version.
1: (laughs) I would like to see the color version, but primarily because I love Lisha and all of her outfits.
0: You can't see the seams in the costumes and such as easily in the black and white version. I'll see, you know, the color oh. version the color version makes it much, much more obvious that they are, you know, dudes in really crappy costumes.
1: Oh no. I think you're you're being a little gracious there. Um <laughs> I I, think, I mean, it's
0: obvious that there are dudes in costumes in the black and white version, but it's more obvious in the color well, version.
1: And with the Silurians, I kind of I got the benefit of kind of having this retrofit idea of those aren't the Silurians. That's just their armor. Sure, sure. Um, so like, I was just like, Oh, do they ever take off their mask? Or is, is the mask the thing that the new era added? I think, I don't know, but I'm just going to go with, okay, they look kind of shitty, but maybe they're supposed to. Right. Um, because, Again, Liz Shaw looks like absolute perfection. And you have this kind of James Bond and Bond girl aesthetic between her and the third doctor who wears a certain, like, three different uniforms in this episode. Like, he's he's got the underground, like, overalls. <laughs> he, he's got the mining gear, you know. When she wears it, she has fucking pigtails and the crotch is, like, hanging way down because it's, like...
0: It's way, way too big for her, yeah? Yeah.
1: Uh, Did the pigtails remind you of anybody? The companion I like, whose name I can never remember. (laughs) Vicky. Vicky! (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) We are so married. Yep. Um, <laughs>
0: I, I knew I knew exactly what you were gonna say when I asked that. I was like, So you you remember anybody, Shayna?
1: No. Um
0: and I know she's gonna be like, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember her name. Yeah. Never no, yeah. I
1: never remember her name, but I like her. Yep. Um but yeah, there were like, you know, the lab costumes, which seems kind of superfluous because they didn't have uh gloves or anything else on other than like these very fastidious lab coats
0: i have a uh, very much taught you lab safety <laughs> i know right <laughs> in our in our years together so you know,
1: i'm just like but they're pouring that shit all over and there's no gloves they're What's handling the the they're mask- handling no.
0: biological samples with no gloves and no mask and no goggles or what
1: anything not in
0: the hood yeah though no, they're you know this is this is highly irregular.
1: what is that microscope showing it's just showing liquids moving around
0: so let's talk. I mean, uh, let's. I guess we could talk Liz Shaw. Um, mm-hmm. Other than her being adorable, any any particular impressions of
1: her in the story? Um, you know i I just always like her because she's capable. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not blindly trusting. She she's an interesting character, like from the beginning, and I, I think she stays consistent through through this story, even though like some of the pacing is just obnoxiously slow. Um, the bits that are her doing things were not dull to me. The stuff that got to me was the action by Havoc, and then the Underground, Underground, yeah, well, underground, this, underground. This is
0: this is the era. I mean, and this is this yeah. kind of. I mean, you just have to kind of go with this to some degree. Yeah, where they're just filling time to some to some degree. Yeah. I think it actually. I think it worked better on my second viewing than it did on my first. Um, mainly because I just kind of knew what to expect, you know. Um, yeah, it is kind of structured in an interesting way, where you kind of have the first three lead up to this like kind of brilliant cliffhanger where mm-hmm. the Solarian confronts the Doctor in the apartment or in the house, and then the final three are kind of the um, you know, the virus, the biological warfare kind of element, and the kind of confrontation between UNIT and the Solarians, and then you have episode four, which is kind of where all the big thematic weighty stuff happens in episode four. Um, Does
1: it ever? It
0: does. So uh, episode four is actually like really fucking amazing. And I think that the structure, I mean, if you kind of view it as like two, three parters with kind of a, a, a fulcrum in the middle, it kind of paces, you can kind of get the pacing a little bit better. But yeah, like episode six, nothing particularly happens in episode six. It's just kind of the doctor and Liz looking through microscopes and, you know, like going, have you tried 837
1: with Z13? <laughs> oh. Oh, I didn't think of that. And Let's then, look uh, at this. Squishy squishy yeah squishy squishy um because that's all they're really doing is like squishy squishy they're just
0: adding they're just adding uh jelly-like liquids to uh microscopic plates and then like looking at them through you know
1: smashing them under a little piece of glass that is
0: exactly how science works that's that's the drug development process in a nutshell that's how it works you just put little (laughs) things on microscope slides and then look at them and go
1: squishy squishy and go
0: squishy squishy yeah with the
1: microscope
0: and then when you're done, you have to write out a complicated formula so that it can then be mass produced by, you know, a, a lab somewhere. And that's, it just takes some time to write all that down. That That's why drug development costs as much as it does. So.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: geez. Pfizer's billions come out of like really efficiently. Like there's some guy in a lab coat just writing formulas really, really effectively.
1: Um, I am kind of constantly reminded that I don't really like his lisp. Pertwee's? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It just—I don't know why it bothers me. Um, Like, and maybe I think it's part of it for me is the pacing gets so slow, and then I do have a hard time understanding him sometimes. Sure. And so that's more of a fault on my end. Pertwee's doctor is not my favorite in this story. Um,
0: Why not? I mean, what's your what's your impression of Pertwee in this story?
1: There's a lot of white men sit down and think, like.
0: (laughs) Again, that's the third doctor era, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and so it's just like I will figure this out. Give me one moment.
0: Shannon just did this amazing like little hand motion that <laughs> was very pertly like and no one will ever see it. So, you know, congratulations. Somewhere
1: between Pertwee and Churchill.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, not even Pertwee and churchill Churchill, it's pertly and like um Matt Barry's parody of Churchill in the <laughs> IT crowd. Oh yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's a deep cut.
1: <laughs> um, what were we talking about? All right purpose uh, performance yeah, um, but I think part of that is there was a lot of a lot of the stuff that I liked, which yeah. you know we were talking about kind of the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. That's what where I was really most tied in.
0: Sure. Well, the first three, you kind of end with Pertwee in the house. And then at the beginning of part four, you get that, what I think is probably one of the great moments of Doctor Who, where he just kind of pulls out his hand and he just reaches his hand and goes, oh, you're a Silurian, right? You know? Right, Um, yeah. Which is is such a a very Doctor-like moment. I mean, it's really like, uh, uh, you know, just amazing for me.
1: And that Um, was, and I think, you know, It was working for me so well that at that point, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it kind of made me feel like, oh, this is what they're referencing in the newer Silurian episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pretty much this story, they've remade it at least three times. Yeah. Because you've seen the Sea Devils.
1: uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And the Sea Devils is pretty much a, a yeah. you know, a, a note for note remake. They just add the master and put it on the water. Yeah. Um. And that one was also written by Malcolm Hulk. So they basically just asked him, hey, come in and rewrite the script you already wrote. Oh, add the master to it. um, And wrote it. And I mean, he rewrites it. And I mean, it's a, still a pretty good story. You know, I still like the Sea Devils. Um.
1: Yeah. No. But then it,
0: it gets remade as uh, Warriors on the Deep or Warriors in the Deep, which uh, you haven't seen, but that's the Fifth Doctor story. Mm-hmm. And then the Hungry Earth, or the, yeah, the Hungry Earth two-parter in the Last um, Doctor era is kind of the same story again, you know? So yeah. they keep kind of coming back to this idea. Like, and once they have the Silurians, they don't have anything new to do with them.
1: No, and I think that that was kind of the thing, is like... Until I kept... you make
0: one a lesbian. <laughs> that was the that was the innovation that Moffat brought to it, was...
1: A female lesbian with a mask. Um, As opposed to
0: a male lesbian with a mask. That would be different.
1: True. Yeah. What I was going to say was, is so I I kind of had this kind of parallel idea of where I thought it was going. Mm -hmm. And then like when I thought it would be wrapping up, all of a sudden there was biological warfare and like fallout and them having to round people up and then like uh, several abductions later um (laughs) you know it's
0: it's kind of like bad like 50s or not bad but it's kind of like uh you know b movie like horror movie sci-fi horror movie in the first three parts and then the last three parts are kind of like 1970s version of like outbreak or 28 days later the first you know 10 minutes or that sort of thing you know
1: yeah um or like 12 monkeys you know like uh more like 12 monkeys like i i i think that i would like the whole story more a second time around yeah i think i would probably be a little bit more engaged with color whereas <laughs> i think you get distracted by it i i just love the look of the black and white
0: i just i mean i'll admit that it was like i saw it was in black i didn't realize it was a black and white until we started watching it and i'm like oh it's, i get to watch this in black and white this is great yeah i'd like to watch all that true in black and white <laughs> i want them to do a black and white new series episode
1: well i don't disagree with you there but um, Wouldn't you like to see
0: Peter Capaldi in, like, a noir version to, like, a uh, black and white, you know?
1: No, I don't want to see any fucking noir who, because they've already tried noir so much, and, like, just, <laughs> if you're gonna do black and white, do something different. Fair enough. I'm saying. Anyway, back to this episode and what I was trying to talk about.
0: Please go ahead. I don't
1: even remember what that was. Like, I see the structure when when you say it, the three parts on either side with, like, a fulcrum. Mm -hmm. And that idea that you're saying, like, the first is kind of like a horror movie, monster movie. And then you get a biological warfare part. But for me, the biological warfare part just kind of feels like all these little spinny loose ends going off in different directions well it
0: relies on you having this kind of connection to the characters to the kind of minor characters the you know the director and all those kind of people that you've kind of met in the first three parts and if you're not really engaged with the characters from that point forward then it's just kind of a bunch of random english white guys
1: well and running
0: around and some of them i couldn't tell
1: some of them apart so yeah. maybe that is the issue because we were watching it in black and white and so they all did kind of look except for like the big bane bad guy who was apparently a bad guy in another episode what was his name
0: uh you're thinking of dr lawrence who's played by peter miles who, who also is played our friend nider from genesis nider! Of the
1: Alex. yes like as soon as you say nider i'm like yes uh, i don't even remember him except for like the feeling in my gut that name. oh yeah anyways um That guy... We're
0: going to have to cover that one soon.
1: That dude, his performance is fabulous. Right. And so, like, you have all these great moments in the first half, in Mm -hmm. my eyes, or a little over half. Um, And I like a lot of what's in the last three. I just feel like that could have been one.
0: I think you could probably cut out, probably, episode two and episode six. I think you could definitely make this, like, a five-parter really easily, I think part okay. six is just That might want. make
1: sense. I'm, I'm not thinking of them. Well, you
0: kind of take, I mean, basically just kind of compress the first three down by a third and then take the last three and compress that by so a third. So are we
1: just taking out the action by havoc? <laughs>
0: There's not a lot of, even a lot of action I have in this, believe it or not. I mean, it's really just like, it's a lot of like white guys with clipboards gesturing at each
1: other. That's I mean, you're of- telling me this like I didn't watch it. I know. <laughs> right. That it may be part of the issue where we're talking about Shayna stops being engaged. Right. White guys with clipboards. Pew! Uh oh god that awful noise. Um and I know I, I did mean like the, the
0: the sound effects were I mean I will the sound effects were giving Shana a migraine like, during, like half of this story. So, so man,
1: I mean there I there was a moment there was a moment where reason. I had to
0: stop it just to like let her like have a moment to you know where uh, the Solarians are doing their mind power thing. Um so I was I was really proud of Shana for for getting through this whole thing. Yes, you
1: know. I soldiered through and bitched and moaned but we kept watching. <laughs> So, um...
0: You'll take it like I tell you to take
1: it. Not my kink! Red! Red! <laughs> uh, safe word. <laughs> anyway... My safe word is...
0: <laughs> 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 Shut the fuck up.
1: I'm gonna... <laughs> so anyway. what do
0: what you think of the Silurians and their mind power?
1: Okay, so I had a really big issue the whole time. Because... As we just mentioned, that sound was like genuinely pissing me off. Yeah, yeah, I was genuinely a bit angry at the episode. Yep, and I'm like, "Where the fuck is the Sonic screwdriver? We have all the sound, and he can't pull out a Sonic and do any fucking thing with it." So I got a little mad. I mean, that.
0: A, a current episode would take all of that like scienceing stuff that they're doing in episode yeah. six, and he just waved the waved the magic wand at it. And yeah, just over, not that I'm know?
1: saying that that's what I want necessarily, but there was like no explanation there, right? Um, so I was just angry, uh, <laughs> and I liked the Silurians, and I thought a lot of the little petty side plot with the their political turnover. Yeah, that I liked. It's the petty human stuff the, the that he, I was the head kind of bored Who with. gets
0: murdered by like the? There's basically a coup that happens. They just kill yeah. him and say, "No, we're
1: yeah, we don't agree with you." I thought that that was really fascinating, uh, especially because I was like on this level of um, going parallel to the current, more current Silurian story, which right. is d- very different. Well, the, the uh, more, I, guess, like, I mean, the tenor of it is well, very different. Is, the kind is, of issues that they're really talking about in politics are very different.
0: This is Cold War. Yeah. Kinda, and whereas you get to the Hungry Earth two-parter and it's much more kind of about like torturing prisoners in the war on terror and that sort of thing. Right. Um, I think this is more sophisticated. I mean, much more sophisticated. I think it's than, it's more uh,
1: sophisticated, but it also, I mean the upside of dragging ass is that you get a lot more nuance
0: (laughs) i mean that that is kind of the thing you know like it's like why is this taking so long because they're exploring character and plot and theme shana don't you understand
1: well okay so i guess my issue is and like you said like there are at least two episodes you could cut out right. somewhere in I mean, here. it's
0: definitely too long, but it's not i't I didn't find it to be dramatically too long. I mean, there are definitely I've, other Doctor Who stories that drag more than this.
1: Yes, um I think what bothers me, though, and maybe I need to rewatch it and mm-hmm. and have more of an idea in my mind of that cutting two and five, because I think what bothered me was it'd be like moment I like. Oh my god, what? when is there gonna be something else I like? Moment I like. Um because there were so many so many extra characters. There were like three or four soldiers. Or maybe not. Maybe I just couldn't tell like there were maybe two guys, maybe even one, and I was just having a migraine from the Silurian. So It's possible. It's possible. yeah, we're not we're
0: not gonna get into like the details <laughs> of which characters are which here because
1: But I did like um the chick and the doctor. <laughs> the chick and the doctor which one
0: the woman who isn't liz shaw in this
1: the woman who isn't liz shaw yes thank you um i thought her storyline of kind of piecing information together she's like was the, also really she's interesting like the
0: director's assistant um yeah a baker's not baker's assistant, but she's the director's assistant and then kind of like she kind of changes she she at first she's kind of like ambivalent about the doctor's presence and then mm-hmm. eventually like after the salarians kill her boss and then mm-hmm. she gets more and more hostile towards him and then she's kind of actively like saying bomb the fuckers i mean that's kind of you know kind of where she where she uh well, where she goes and, and I, mean, I kind you... of
1: love that story arc because it is a very um genuine story like the, someone would could very realistically react that way if yep. that that was what you saw
0: yeah, um, and, absolutely.
1: and so I, I really liked that About her that she, mean, even though she was an assistant She still got to kind of piece together clues And figure out her own understanding Of the big story which was the same As the Briggs To be fair Is
0: the doctor right in the story?
1: <sighs> I think Like a lot of James Bond movies <laughs> mm-hmm. it, It's not a question Of who is right and who is wrong It's a question of um, urgency, because that's what the Cold War was, you know, it's a, and, um, I still think of James Bond as kind of a result of building tension and nothing happening because it's all like, oh no, Shayna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought of an awful comparison.
0: <laughs> Go ahead.
1: So many moons ago, I read all of them Twilight books. Yeah. And the very last scene, there's all this shit going on. Like they've gathered like hundreds of, of you know, fucking vampire family people, mm-hmm. and like the Volturi. Yeah, whatever. She's and they're all gathered in like this football field essentially. Mm-hmm. And like I finished reading all through all these pages of description, and essentially what happens at the end of this description is you realize they basically fucking stand in a field and stare at each other because they're using psychic powers against each other essentially. Mm-hmm. There's like a
0: battle going
1: on, but yeah, it's all in their heads. It's all in their.
0: <laughs> Did they have like
1: magic uh, mind wave sounds well, the whole time? Well, it's basically yeah, no. Um, but like I remember literally like reading it and finally getting to that point and just laughing. And so there is a lot of this where I had that same kind of hysterical response of just like ah, there's so much noise and nothing is happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it it really just lost me at the kind of political fallout part and that was the biological warfare for me the idea that they were trying to cage in this virus in addition to the silurians and that the silurians get bombed um well you know a a a
0: a lesser writer like let me so so if you if you imagine a sort of uh alternate version of this Mm -hmm. the the four-part version basically part three ends with the way it ends and then part 4 opens with the doctor realizing the Silurians are actually not monsters but they are kind of a civilization mm-hmm. and then the it kind of rushes to the end where the doctor like convinces the Silurians are actually like angelic you know kind mm-hmm. of indigenous peoples and uh, he convinces the brig and then the brig and everybody kind of goes off happy and then they get to take well, off to and another planet and i don't whatever, even think
1: know. that would be my ideal ending that is the happily ever year after i think right, that's right. kind but, of what
0: but the simplistic sort of political parable is that mm-hmm. the Silurians are good and that you know the the kind of humans are the monsters sort of thing but here what you get is the Silurians are kind of after their own thing they're responding mm-hmm. rationally the way that to, to what the humans are doing they have their own bigotries and their own you know kind of and they're yeah. i mean they're actively like they're trying to kill baker i mean they're basically gonna you know do animal experimentation on baker yeah and then no they're i mean also, i called them
1: nazi dinosaurs and then for they're also reason.
0: like going to destroy the entire human race they they have at least two methods in this story to destroy all of humanity
1: and i
0: which is why i ask is the doctor right to try to save uh, them well to to try to um make a detente to try to negotiate with them you know like in in a kind of realistic circumstance you know if a species is if remember if this guy is caught out and like said you know hey we're going to kill every single human being on the planet with this biological weapon isn't, doesn't the Brig have a point? Like, look, it's if it's us or them, I choose them, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. No, and that's kind of the the fallout that I'm talking about is, like, the whole end of it just feels like, okay. So any kind of peace that he tried to get with them talking with each other was undone by the coup, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. But then you have the fallout of the coup with the Brig and... Because that all just starts taking too much time for me, mm-hmm. um, and you do get a lot of just.
0: I mean, the pacing is bad. I'm not. I'm not saying mind
1: controlling. I
0: I understand that you kind of lost interest in it to some degree. Yeah, I'm kind of asking you to think about it on a like pretend it's it moves a little bit faster. And what do you think of the idea?
1: I think the idea is good. I I just think. Even with as much time as they spend on it, they, there's not a real sense of resolution. Because at the end, we do just get, we see explosions and we see the sad look on the doctor's face and we see explosions and we see the sad looks on the doctor's face. And I think of that, um, commercial with the, uh, Native American crying one tear down because of. Because litter- of trash? Yeah. <laughs> because of littering, US.
0: you know.
1: You know, and it just like felt a little bit overtly like this is meant to mean something and you're supposed to side with the doctor here. But that was the whole point to me of the second half as it were, was hypothetically taking apart this idea that you could, you could be that simplistic. So seeing it from a simplistic point of view kind of takes away from what I felt it was trying to do. Right. So I think it ends up undercutting itself. I do see what you're saying. I mean, like, I'm, not, idea I'm, is not, good. I'm
0: not even like necessarily making, I'm not, I haven't not really like said my moral position on it. I'm yeah. more just
1: asking you what you think of it. Um, I, I think, okay, My as far as a moral position goes, I think um, th- there there is no one right. And that's kind of the point that I right. liked of the story. But at the end, there's a bit more of this kind of definitive death knell feel to it.
0: Um, Do you think the Brig commits genocide in the final moments?
1: No. I think the Doctor thinks he does, which um, seems kind of pointless to me to make the Doctor think the Brig just committed genocide when perhaps he just sealed them off and, you know, they will stay in their...
0: Right. I mean, I think that... Thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is sort of one of those things that's kind of... Generally said, like, oh, the doctor, you know, the brig commits genocide here, and then the doctor goes off and works with UNIT for the next five years, you know, basically working with working with this organization and this dude who's like killed all these millions of individuals. Um, I don't think we're forced into that interpretation. I think that no, you I could, mean, I mean, you could really say what the brig did was he sealed off the tunnels. He really only killed that one silurian yeah. and he's he just kind of like walled the problem off for a, for another generation. But he's not willing to let the Doctor kind of let them up and, and risk whatever that is. And I do not I that not I don't, like agree, with, inter- I don't, I don't yeah. agree with that action. I think the Brig is wrong. Correct. But I think that's different than saying the Brig commits genocide. Uh,
1: very much so. And I think it's also... I think that that might be the part that has me spiraling out a bit. Is because what bothers me at the end is this idea that the Brig is saying... I'm sealing it off for another generation. I think that that makes this a very interesting political story. Right. Whereas the doctor above ground thinks that he's bombing all of them. Right. And I'm not sure if from that shot we are supposed to believe that the brig really thinks he is just sealing them in. (laughs) Right. Or I mean, he's committing genocide the, the and Brig, I don't know. The Brig, like,
0: the, the, the Brig believes he's solving the problem. He thinks, yes. you know, I'm going to bomb it regardless of whether I'm killing them or not. This is, You know, the Brig believes he is doing the right thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I think the Brig's doing the right thing because I think it ends on a very vague note of trying to give you that sense of like, oh, who is culpable for what? Oh.
0: Right. I mean... For me, the uh, it's kind of, I mean, this is, again, this is matt Holt kind of doing the political thing. And, again, the Salarians are often kind of interpreted as the pa- Palestinians of the Doctor Who universe, right? Um, the kind of people who have been in a place who then get, you know, um, forced off their, their area by yes. this kind of oppressive colonial estate. Um, <laughs> not that we're going to push a particular version of the Israeli Palestine co- conflict here. But uh that's kind of the way I would generally interpret the uh, Israeli Palestinian conflict. Um but the, the I mean a lot of people in, in kind of our ideological camp would interpret the Silurians as the Palestinians, which I think is really an unfair comparison, partly because I mean in this you know, both the humans and the Silurians have kind of an equal right to the earth, right? Because the Silurians Came first, but then ultimately, you know, it wasn't like the humans are this, like, invading colonizing force. No. They grew out of the same... Well, and that's what bothers
1: me at the end, is because I feel like in the middle, you have this sense that the Doctor is... Even if he's not trying to broker a peace, he's at least saying, well, y'all don't have to kill each other. Um, At least think about it this way. Mm. And I, I still think that the political coup is interesting. I think the way that the brig responds by wanting to seal it off is interesting. I just, they're, like, it feels unresolved to me at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I get And that's what bothers because me. Because they really, I mean, even when they come back in the Sea Devils, they don't really deal with the consequences of this. I mean, which, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, we've already covered the Sea Devils, so, you yeah. know, I didn't get to kind of ask you these in order. But, I mean, I think that you could definitely lay that at the feet of, the sea devils which is again written by malcolm hulk so i mean right. you'd think that having written this two years earlier he would have kind of come back to these ideas and maybe dealt with some of that fallout to some degree and instead it kind of becomes more about the master that it does the you know the, this kind of i mean the yeah. political angle is still there but it come becomes this kind of like parable about um warmongers and the way they're manipulated by uh, those who would seek profit for their own ends and, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think when you have the episode as a study of people's motivations and then you end on a note that perhaps has like a question of what really happened um, or like who is really at fault, that feels more resolved. Whereas I feel um in this story... I did not feel like I was trying to, like, from the beginning that I had to pick a side or that I had right. to feel like the humans were right and the Silurians were wrong. And because that was the thing, there were bad, there were humans that were not thinking correctly. There were Silurians that were not thinking, um, with full information. You know, like, um, I like that there was a lot of balance on both sides. But in the end, it's like, and the Silurians will release disease, and we will kill them so that they do not kill us. Like, yeah, I, I mean the
0: fact the fact that the Silurians go straight out attempt to genocide first, yeah, definitely complicates that that simplistic there. Exactly. You know, um, and
1: I think that's where, and I, and just I think kind Malcolm of...
0: Hulk is very aware of what he's doing there. I think that that's I think that that's definitely the case. Um, I think if you are trying to read in kind of a modern day political you know kind of interpretation on it i think it fails to some degree because you don't have quite that level of you know one-to-one dichotomy there i mean even if you think about like islamic terrorism for instance or you know just kind of terrorism in general which you know is is kind of um you know uh you know al-qaeda and and other terrorists responding to um imperialist actions by you know western powers in the early Mm -hmm. 20th century and you know all that sort of thing yeah that's a very asymmetrical kind of warfare, but that's also like, you know, those terrorists do not represent an existential threat to us, whereas the Silurians absolutely yeah. would in this circumstance, you know. And I
1: mean, they
0: speak blithely of killing millions of us.
1: Yeah, and so I think there there is, in an episode that we watched in black and white, there are many things that are painted in black and white, but are actually gray. <laughs>
0: lots of shades of gray in this story both in um visually and uh (laughs) you know morally
1: yeah um i don't know i and that that like i part of the reason i feel like at the end i was so frustrated with it was because i knew i had liked a lot of stuff throughout but i also knew it was really hard for me to get through a lot of it and i was like man am i even gonna remember what i like at this point (laughs)
0: I did split this over two days for you. Um, yeah. We watched four and then three so it was it was kind of you know made it a little bit easier to, to get through it. I wonder if uh, this might be one where I might give you the novel the the novelization of it and uh, see see if that treats you a little bit better than the uh, the story.
1: Shana gets homework.
0: No like not not immediately <laughs> you know down the line a little bit you know. Um, let's move off the, the the political angle just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, Bessie. This is uh, kind of the first named appearance of Bessie. Bessie appears in... Oh, uh, right.
1: The car.
0: The car. Bessie appears in Spearhead from Space, but not really. Here she is named, and you get a lot of, like, tinkering around with, with Bessie. What do you think of Bessie? I mean, you've seen Bessie before, but... You yeah. Know. Did you like the kind of... The Doctor and his jalopy driving through the streets of London kind of stuff?
1: I mean, it's more James Bond Doctor. Uh, <laughs> the, the music um, also... I found much more annoying this time around. Like, whereas I think before I was like, oh, I don't know, it's catchy and fun. You're like, you're going to hate it. And then I'm like, I hate it already. Uh,
0: I, I found it, Um, I think some of the music works really well. You know, I, I think that... <laughs> some uh, of it,
1: not so much.
0: Some of it, not so I mean, it's it's very much of that era, you know. Yeah. um, Really, and ironically, the Sea Devils was one of the last times they really went this, like, straight up, like atonal dissonant electronic score they kind of moved away from this after that so you know you've only got two more years in dr two of them playing with this stuff um i mean you, you I, I look at this and i think about like a clockwork orange and a clockwork orange just kind of doing the like kind of a uh, synth score version of beethoven's fifth and that mm-hmm. sort of thing um this is just kind of the low budget version of that it's just the aesthetic decision that they were making at the time i have a hard time blaming it but it doesn't make it any easier to listen to no
1: no, I, I just, you know, like, it, I as soon as I was sitting there, I was like, man, this music's starting to get grating. I was like, oh, shit, this is the same music that I said was fun last time, and Daniel told me I was going to hate it, and I'm going to have to tell him he was right.
0: <laughs> One day, even here, in the future, <laughs> Shanna will look up and say, Daniel was right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's recorded now, I've got it on tape. Oh, shut <laughs> up. Anyway, um you mentioned that there were some things that you thought were scary here. What what uh, kinds of things?
1: Um I actually thought a lot of um that initial kind of B horror movie stuff was done really well in terms of okay, I gave them the benefit of the doubt and said, okay, the Silurians are wearing some kind of armor. They're supposed to look wonky.
0: <laughs> they're supposed to look like they're wearing, like, bad, ill-fitting, camouflage uniforms.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, that's the point. They're, they're army. They're officers of some kind. Yeah, 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 So, like, I, like, looking back, I'm like, wow, Shana, you just gave them a, an excuse and you didn't even, weren't really even thinking about that <laughs> consciously. Um,
0: they're supposed to look people in lizard suits. Yeah, you know? totally.
1: You know, the kind of very classic monster movie direction mm-hmm. the seeing from the monster's point of view and not knowing what it is um but hearing its labored breathing
0: there's a lot I, of lurking in the shadows you see like the hands kind well, of moving in the frame and that but, sort of thing. what
1: i like about it too is it's also we see from the monster's point of view it's mm-hmm. part of it's partially scary because the monster is scared you know, he's wounded. You can tell that he is panicked and running around and killing people. Um, so you're not reasoning with a quote unquote terrorist. Right. You're you're reasoning with someone who's running scared. And so, like, you know, for me, I want to be able to empathize with the enemy. And it gets less scary the more it bo- it starts falling apart into like fucking petty bullshit. Even though that is the reality of life. <laughs> right.
0: Um, There's a lot of people, like, arguing about paperwork. Yes. I mean, it it is kind of like we're going to save the world by, like, filling out these papers in a particular way. There's a lot of that in, like, Third Doctor and Malcolm Holt's scripts. And it's like the
1: doctor has to write down the formula. And so they wait forever. But no, the doctor gets abducted. So Liz goes in figures out enough so that somebody else can figure out the formula
0: well she finds the piece of paper that he'd kind of written it on and then she kind of figures out oh that's got to be it and then like finishes it off or something because she was there like the whole time right so you kind of get the i mean it really is that like oh liz can kind of do most of the stuff the doctor can do just not yeah. quite as fast or whatever so yeah. you know I, I i really like that element i i mean i actually don't mind the kind of like we're sitting and doing the like scientific research to i've mentioned before that one of the things i really love about the third doctor is like that he's the kind of tinkering inven- inventor i would doctor.
1: i would have less of an issue if it of it if it wasn't just him and liz like i i really appreciate that they're doing stuff mm-hmm. but like literally at the point where he's sitting there with a piece of paper and like <laughs> writing right <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. Like he's not researching. He's just like, how do I put this? Hmm. <laughs> and he's got the finger across the lip thing. Hmm. This is how I'm going to write this. <laughs> um. What but do you think yeah. Of there was okay. just a lot of uh again the delayed kind of shit that I was just like, why? Why did that happen that way? Why <laughs> was that necessary? Really.
0: What did you think of the dinosaur?
1: Oh like the the Salarians, uh Did their
0: pet dinosaur
1: their little godzilla toy <laughs> Yeah he well he was real scary no he was not scary at all he was that was i i think i i giggled quite a bit if this I remember correctly. Is, this is the
0: first use of uh, color separation overlay, the CSO effect. This is the first time they ever used that in Doctor Who. Oh. Basically like the blue screen effect that, they're, oh. that they were doing. And you see it all the time in the Pertwee era. This is the very first time it was used. And it's like that, like when they're like standing on either side of a doorway and then the dinosaur is clearly like rear projected on the other side of the doorway. I mean, that's that's really what you're seeing. It's, it's very much like oh. this era of Doctor Who just looks like this.
1: It probably didn't stand out as much in the black and white.
0: No, it, as it
1: probably would have in the color.
0: Yeah, the color, color. See, this is the it, second time is... you've
1: done this. You're like, no, no, we'll watch the cartoon. The cartoon will be good, and then no, the audio had everything. This time it's the the black and white. No, 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 color.
0: <laughs> Shane is referring to an episode that never got released. <laughs> We're going to eventually come back to. Oh, but I'm going to leave this Oops. in so you get a little hint of something that you will eventually get to hear down the line. <laughs> um, I won't even tell you which story we didn't watch, but yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> shana has no idea what goes on in the back end of this podcast i just show her things and then she talks about them
1: and that's what i'm saying this isn't even gonna air you're gonna edit this out <laughs>
0: <laughs> and everybody loves shana the most anyway uh... <laughs> i win um did you, did you buy the kind of political intrigue among the Silurians in the last three bits? I mean, you know, because you really only get the one guy who's the leader who's like, no, we will, you know, be friends with the Doctor and we will kind of trust him. And then once he's dead, like, everybody else just, like, follows the new guy.
1: Yeah, um...
0: You kind of got the one peacemaker.
1: And and I kind of feel like that was unfair and unrealistic. Like, it, it didn't make sense to me that, like, the leader would be like... I mean, that... that That was the first point where it felt like the Silurians fell apart for me is because instead of having like dual viewpoints, it was like, we have this viewpoint, but we have this viewpoint. Okay, we're just going to kill the other viewpoint and then we're all going to be on the same boat. It's like there was no more discussion after that. He didn't have like a board of supporters. I mean, as
0: as much as politically, you know, Hulk is trying to kind of paint the humans as sort of these, it's sort of the bad guys. I mean, the military is sort of the bad guys of the story. Uh, he doesn't... I mean, maybe this is a production thing and maybe this is just a... I mean, if you're going to have three parts of this, A, you got to be able to differentiate between the Silurians a little bit better because yeah. I couldn't tell just looking at them which one was which because no. the costumes look too much alike. Yeah. Um, But also, like, they don't really come across individuals as much as they just come across as dudes in masks like kind of mm-hmm. vaguely gesturing at each other so that you know which one is talking at any given time. Yeah. Um, And I mean... A, a a more nuanced Silurian society would kind of be necessary in, in order to uh, really sell that idea I think you know
1: and I think that that's what I was missing is yeah. like at first I felt like the Silurian society had a lot of nuance and then the longer they kept talking about shit the less nuance there was um and I'm just like, seriously guys, and you're just gonna keep making that fucking noise <laughs> just keep. <laughs>
0: I wish they had brought back the Silurian mind powers from the new series. Oh my god,
1: yeah. no. Well, and but doesn't... I like to
0: think Madame Vastra, like, like uses that mind power with Jenny like, in the bedroom. You know, I kind of...
1: No, stop. Like, this is all... This is... No. You are setting up a joke. And from here. And I'm not gonna let you make it. Because it's gonna be bad.
0: She's just sitting and, like, staring. And just, like, you know, that's all, you know... <laughs>
1: <laughs> they have the whole dream sharing thing.
0: That's true.
1: Although I don't,
0: th- I think that's a technological thing. Anyway, we're not talking about Nunu. I was just making the dirty joke about. The I know.
1: Assisted hey. white male.
0: We've done two Third Doctor stories in a row now, uh-huh. and both times we talked about potential fan fiction avenues. You know, oh, I'm sure Jane appreciated that joke.
1: Uh, sure, I know people appreciate it. I'm just saying. Can you not make the most offer- obvious, like, vastor and Jenny joke every time?
0: I think that's more subtle than the most obvious Jenny vastor <laughs> joke I could have made.
1: <laughs> <sighs> I think I just know you that well.
0: Yeah, that's possible. All right. Um, also, uh, we did, I mean, it kind of by happenstance we did two third Doctor stories in a row. This is also, um, Pertwee would be 97 this month. Wow. If he had lived this long, but obviously he didn't. He died like twenty years ago, but um, this is his. I mean, his birthday just passed, so.
1: Yeah, um, that's true. Saw that. Thought it was
0: worth mentioning. You yeah. Know? Um,
1: um, so
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of we're, we're kind of running a little bit short on this episode, but you know, uh, any thoughts? I mean, basically, I could just kind of sit around and kind of <laughs> bullshit about Doctor and the Solarians, but I've kind of we've kind of covered most of my notes. Uh, do you have uh, thoughts about this story?
1: I mean. I, clearly I'm frustrated with it for multiple reasons, but, um, it's hard because I really like it in the beginning and then, like, my interest just slowly wanes in it and I'm like, guys, don't make me not like it anymore. And I think that that's what gets to me, is the, like, the third Doctor, I think I kept trying to nitpick at things, but it's just... He just sits and thinks about things. It's not his lisp. It's not like, I mean, there are times where I don't always understand Pertwee, although he is singing. um,
0: He's singing the Jabberwocky. The
1: Jabberwocky uh, under the car, which I thought was really interesting that he, of all the poems to think of, you know, the poem, a poem that like made up a whole bunch of words just for fuck's sake, you know, uh, so there are all these little notes that I liked, but then a lot of them don't go anywhere. Um, and in that effort to try and resolve all these, like, spare characters' plot lines, mm-hmm. um, I feel like some of the characters that I did care about on the side, like Nighter 2.0 and girl <laughs> who is not Shaw.
0: Yeah, I didn't write her name down, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: Betty or something.
0: <clears throat> something like that, yeah um what did you think of like the virus going through london stuff did the, did you find that effective at all or no. was that just...
1: and i again uh, because part of it was i just didn't understand the narrative the visual narrative of it yeah um when all of a sudden we we were seeing footage of this of the like metro or mm-hmm. public transportation I actually had you stop and I'm like, wait, where are we? What just happened? It kind of, I
0: mean, it's sort of one of those things to where I mean, part four, a lot of the stuff just kind of happens all at once. Yeah. And if you lose track there, then you get to part five and you're kind of like, okay, what's, what's happening again? Um, Because I remember watching this the first time and kind of missing some of that connective tissue as well. So,
1: I think that there's a lot of just that disorienting factor of, Mm. like, okay, I clearly missed something. Right. Um and even though it's going to play that awful noise again, it's not going to help remind me what that thing is. It's referencing to however the fuck we got here until a few minutes later when people are falling down and you're like, oh wait right, virus. I think and, the big
0: thing that's easy to miss is the fact that, I mean, because they make a big deal out of they're going to torture the guy and give him the, the, the virus yeah, and test it on him and see what happens And they happens don't make a him. big
1: deal about him getting out into London.
0: Exactly. And so once he's there, it's kind of oh no, what happened? Like, why? Why are we now? Yeah, why, why do we know? care? um Who and is then, this woman pushing
1: past the cop? Why? Why is it taking her so long? And am, then are following to be other people
0: who interacted with this guy who are also supposed to be sick? And if you're not necessarily on board with like who all these individual characters are, exactly. you know, it's kind of like why are we following a random? Yeah, like what the fuck scene is this around, You know, so yeah, yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> and that's where Shayna was. <laughs> yeah, and it's very easy
0: to be there. I mean. I will say, again, uh, watching it the second time, um, I actually really liked the uh, kind of biological warfare sections. In fact, I like the biological warfare sections better than I like the kind of uh, first three kind of monster movie stuff. But I'm generally much more interested in the the kind of biological warfare political stuff. But it's
1: just stupid faux science. Like, (laughs) ew, he got sick. Ew, he ran out and touched people. Oh gosh, they're all sick now quarantine make up a thing
0: this is what happens when you don't have herd immunity this is why vaccination oh, is Jesus. necessary
1: i mean not to say i disagree with you but geez, i love you
0: <laughs> i love you <laughs> um can we lay some science on the, the audience very briefly
1: does it happen with Lishaw? it does okay
0: um remember the globe that he finds in the um in the cupboard
1: oh with the pangea
0: yeah, well, well, you know, uh, what's really interesting to me, and this is just because I know a little bit about the history of, like, um, oceanography and geochemistry and such, uh, this, was, this aired in, like, 1970.
1: Mm-hmm. At
0: the time, this, uh, like, continental drift uh, hypothesis had only very recently become, like, an accepted theory. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 30s, this was proposed, but there wasn't a mechanism for it, and it wasn't until the late 60s when... Um, they actually mapped the um,
1: continental drift,
0: the ma- the magnetic reversals, the paleomagnetic oh. lines okay. the, uh, on the uh, see the uh, Earth's magnetic poles, which is position polarity, every couple thousand years.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: so if you look at the seafloor, you know, then the north and south are switched every you know so many meters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so if you map those very, then you can see exactly where the crust was at any given time. Um, and uh, that was only done in the late 60s. So this was, this was fairly, it'd be like doing a story today and, and talking about the Higgs boson, like making that like a center piece of your story, which I think is kind of uh, interesting. That they were, uh, they get so some a of the,
1: slightly outdated reference.
0: Well, I mean, like a, a current, like a kind of a current, you know, you know, in vogue thing that would have been on like the cover of science magazines at the time, you know.
1: Baby, it's been a while since the Higgs boson. Only well, a couple of years. Longer than that anyway um it
0: would have been like doing the Higgs boson like two years ago when i watched this the first time was there that you me?
1: go there, that's a more relevant statement to my interests
0: <laughs> anyway um i just thought that was i i think th- I, you know i think it's a nifty when they actually have like vaguely accurate scientific stuff in dr who because it happens so rarely <laughs> and even well, then even then some of the details are wrong which i don't think that
1: and I think yeah. that's the thing for me is like she picks up the globe. the globe and is like, what's this? And that's part of what bothers me is like, OK, so it's new science. It's something Liz would have known what it was, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, Liz, I think Liz could be expected to kind of like she's piecing it together because of her dialogue. She's like, oh, this looks like maybe that's, you know, South America or something like she's kind of looking at it. But you know, you need someone who's actually time traveled to kind of go, Oh, this is exactly what the earth looked like, you know, so many years ago, and that sort of thing. So yeah. it's a little bit better than in the 10th planet when you see the upside down earth, and Polly goes, Is that Malaysia? It looks like an upside down Malaysia.
1: Shut up, Polly's awesome.
0: Polly is awesome.
1: Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. So is Liz
0: Shaw. Next time we're going to do a Polly story, you know that?
1: I love Polly. Yep. Um, no, and I mean, like, I'm not really going to criticize that after the squishy, squishy microscope scenes, because, like, that's literally, it just looks like they have two panes of glass with liquid in between them, and they're shoving them together and letting them out. (laughs) That
0: that is what you do with a microscope slide, by the way.
1: You Shut up. (laughs) Anyway.
0: Anyway, uh, final thoughts about Doctor Who and the Silurians.
1: Um, Did you have
0: any questions about the title, why it's called Doctor Who and the Silurians?
1: Uh, no. And I mean, not
0: just the Silurians, which is what it by right, should be called. Uh,
1: well, I don't really understand whenever they have a point that they actually refer to the Doctor as Doctor Who. <laughs> um, but that happens for a while.
0: This is the last time. The, oh, okay. The Doctor. I mean, it's not even in the episode. It's just in the title you know he's called Doctor Who Mm -hmm. Um, yeah uh, apparently it was uh, the new production team came in and they all the scripts before this would have like Doctor Who in you know the Web of Fear or whatever like on the title page and apparently the credits team just uh, mistook that and just put Doctor Who and the Silurians on the front page (laughs) or on the the title screen and uh, that's how this story got its title so you know it's it's like a mistake really um, it shouldn't have been called this. So, yeah.
1: This is a series this series of Daniel asking Shayna questions that he doesn't really want to hear the answer to. He just has <laughs> an interesting <laughs> fact.
0: This is just me providing factoids to <laughs> Shayna and listening to her vaguely kind of giggle at them. Um, because I think that's brilliant radio. Um, yeah. Final thoughts about Doctor Who and the Silurians, Shana?
1: You're right. I liked Morley's Shaw, but it was kind of disappointing. <laughs>
0: Any thoughts about the Brig in this? Oh Do you still think the Brig and Liz Shaw had like a fling?
1: I mean, maybe in the first like when I said they did, but like at this point I think they probably would have had to break things off.
0: Okay. This is um, the very next story. So.
1: I know, so like it was the fling that yeah, only yeah. lasted one story. But the brig in this episode, again, for all the story that there is, I don't think that I really understand where the brig is coming from. I don't think we get enough time with him other than he's having, like, knee-jerk reaction, or somebody up, up from above is telling him what to do, or he's fighting with or N- 2.0, and so he has all this shit going on, and he's, you know, that that's kind of the story of Unit is... Yeah trying to make the best decision for everyone involved, but also having to pay attention to your boss. Um, cause that's government, yo. Um, and then that's bureaucracy. Yeah. Like that, that's hierarchical yeah. structure. you know. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that there's anything necessarily new done. There's like examples of what I like a lot done, but at the end, I'm just like, all right guys, wrap it up.
0: You are now three quarters of the way through Lishaw's stories. There's only um, one more you haven't seen.
1: Is it gonna be better than this one?
0: I really like this one. I mean I I, I mean
1: You the, like it more you know. now like that you've watched it a second time. I, so I liked it's like it even every fucking time. episode that I, I need even first to watch.
0: Okay. Uh I think I think really, I mean again, the Lish stories all have this pacing problem. Except for yeah. Spearhead and then Inferno because you get the the parallel universe stuff where you know it's not really Liz Shaw it's the other version of Liz Shaw, so you kind of get you know. But all the Liz Shaw stories, I mean, this is it, this is just what this era looks like. You know, um, you can't get away from this. Is it is the uh, final Liz Shaw story kind of too long and kind of uh, running around? Is there, is there a lot of paperwork that happens? Yes, there is. Okay. But it's another really, really great story. The same as this one, which is, I think, a really, really interesting story with some really interesting ideas. But the pacing is way, way too slow for a modern audience.
1: I mean, like, it's a good story and it has some really interesting ideas. I don't think it's, like, outstanding. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Would you rather rewatch this or The Caves of Andrasani?
1: I still I still don't really remember a lot of The Caves of Andrasani. <laughs> Fair enough. That's Perry, right?
0: That's Perry's... I mean, oh, that's... no, I
1: would totally rewatch this. <laughs> I would 100%. That was the fifth
0: doctor in Perry, where the fifth doctor dies at the end?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was fucking awful. No, I would I would rewatch this. Because apparently it's much better on the second watch. You can pick up on all that connective tissue. And maybe I would see it in color and I'd be able to follow it better.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we'll revisit this one down the line a little bit. Oh, Alright, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, you, I'll have a little thing at the end. Tells you where to find all our stuff. We are uh, now blogging uh, weekly at ArudatoriumPress.com You can find all of your episodes there at Uh Next time, I don't know exactly which story we're going to do, but there will be a Polly story in our near future. Probably a second Doctor in Polly story because well, <laughs> there aren't many with the first Doctor. And um, until then the TARDIS is closed.
1: Oh. Is this why we have guests?
0: <laughs> <laughs> is, is what why we have guests? <laughs> you did great. I don't know what you're complaining about.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've just got to like learn to pick ones that Shane is going to be <laughs> intimately engaged with. Or like feed you the plot while it's happening and go hey Shana you notice this little bit right here don't hit stop yet you know this little bit right here this this is see that you need to pay attention to this character stop looking at your phone for two seconds Shana I know you're playing Pokemon Go I know you're playing Pokemon Go oh shut
1: up now you're just saying that like I can't play Pokemon Go in the house because Pokemon don't appear in our fucking house
0: (laughs) (laughs) you were playing a snake game or something because it was boring! And until next time, the TARDIS is closed. We thank James Bragg for the use of our theme song, Doctor Who Theme on Minimoog. You can find his work at youtube.com slash hyperdust7 or at phoenix-flare.com. All our episodes can be found at oyspaceman.lipson.com or on iTunes. You can find Oyspaceman on Facebook or email us at Podcast at gmail.com. We also have a regularly updated blog at wastebacemanblog.wordpress.com. Daniel is also the co-host of a weekly movie podcast called They Must Be Destroyed On Site, which you can find at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find Daniel's Twitter and Tumblr at Daniel e. Harper, all one word, and you can find Shana's at inkyosa, that's I-N-K-Y-O-S-A. We look forward to hearing from you.